Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Paul, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. We just bought a new home, well, uh, a 1978 home, and we've got some repairs we need to make before we move in. One of them is the rear door. Uh, they cut a a pet door in it with a with a circular saw and it's big enough for me to crawl through so we think we need that door replaced and the complicating factor is that the wall surrounding it is all uh, hardwood pl- um, paneling okay. and and I'm trying to figure out is it is it possible to put up a uh, a fiberglass door and just hang a new door or do I need to replace the whole frame because if I replace the whole frame I'm worried about damaging that paneling Oh no! It's definitely possible to just hang another door. Uh, you know, we, we've all gotten into using the pre-hung doors where we don't have to line out hinges and all that stuff just because of ease uh, and speed. But you can definitely get a fiberglass door, mark where the hinges go, cut them in, screw the hinges on, and put it back together. It it, it actually works very well. And that includes on on. Fiberglass, because obviously you can tell by my questions, I'm I'm completely out of my depth. Yes, it, it does include. Now, let me ask you a quick question: the the, the door that's there, uh, it it fits good, right? No issues with the way it's fitting. Um, it it does. It looks all right to me. Is there anything I should be specifically looking at? Just look at the gap across the top. Make sure it's nice and even. And then the side that has the door handle on it coming down, make sure that's nice and even as well. And as long as those two sides are are good, that door is fine. So what you can do then is pull the pin out of the hinges and line the two doors up next to each other and make sure that you get the the, uh, top and bottom line out uh, nice and even with each other. You can use that then as your template to mark where the hinges were and cut the hinges in, screw them into place, and all you got to do is put the door back on and drop the pin in. All right. Well, that's a load off my mind. Thank you very much. Not a problem, Paul. Good luck with that. All right. Bye. Bye. 1-800-288-9227. Yeah, you know, it used to be when you were changing out doors, you didn't take all the frame out and stuff. You just took the door off. And you can measure for the hinges or, like I said, use the existing door as a template. And then you use chisels to either chisel out where the hinge went or nowadays a lot of times we just use a router because it gives a, a cleaner, flatter surface. i I'll be honest with you, I still use a chisel all the time, though. Uh, only because if a router gets away from you it just makes it look bad and uh so i i'm i'm more secure using the chisel hammer and chisel than i am the the router kevin how can i help you good afternoon jim i got a question i know a gentleman just called in on on stack stone on a fireplace but i got a little bit of a different question i'm looking at like a two by six stone uh single stone it's like a limestone so it's got some weight to it do i need to 
replace the sheetrock behind it with like a green board or something stronger before that's placed on it. Well, a green board actually is no stronger than regular sheetrock. It's just moisture resistant is all. Okay. So uh, how how tall are you going with this? Uh, all the way. It would be going up to the ceiling, so probably about a uh, from from eight ground feet. up, probably about 8 to 10 foot. Okay. You know, you're going to have to look at the instructions on it. Uh, it'll tell you if you have to have wood behind it or if you can do it on sheetrock. Uh, there's a, a lot of these products, you can go right over the sheetrock with it and not have any issues at all. Uh, but you're going to want to make sure to check it. In general, I would say you should be safe to go up with it. Okay. And this is more of a product that's not, I, I got it from like Inzer Tile, so it's not, not probably really meant, so to speak, for a, a fireplace stack stone. So it does have some weight to it. So I was a, kind of a little concerned and wasn't for sure if it could go directly on that sheet rock. Yeah. If you got any, you know, too much concerns on it, what I would do is take the sheet rock off and and replace the sheet rock with plywood. Okay. That makes sense. And that, and that would give you the structural strength. And if you ever, if you have to, you know, attach anything with screws or anything like that it'll it'll definitely give you the the holding power you need then okay that's what i needed okie doke appreciate it thank you you too you bet bye-bye this is from gary if old metal roof is old discolored but in good shape can new metal be overlaid right over without terror tearing off the old Gary, probably not, and here's why. The fasteners that you use for a metal roof, they stick up. So even if you went back with the exact same style of roof, it wouldn't lay flat on the, the existing material. The screw covers, the, the bolts is really what the, is used a lot of times, are going to stick up and be in the way. Now, some metal roofs use uh, clips that are hidden clips, but you're still going to have raised panels and things like that in the way of it laying flat. And you may wonder, you know, what's the big deal about it laying flat? Well, if we get a, any type of hailstorm, if your metal roof is not laying tight on the wood deck, it'll start getting dense in it e e with a lot smaller hail than it would take if it was laying flat on the metal deck. Any space underneath the metal allows it to get indented and that can be a problem so I would not put metal on top of metal strip it off and go back right now one of the other things you may want to consider if the metal is still in good shape put a coating up there to color it rather than having to replace all the metal that may be much cheaper for you and give you a great looking roof Brian this is Jim how can I help you hi Jim I've got a, a five-car garage about 900 square feet uh, it's insulated above and on the sides, and it's got uh, three doors in the front and one door in the back. And I've got a humidity problem. I've got a painted um, floor, the epoxy floor, and this time of year, the cement gets cold and then warm air goes across it, and I've got all kinds of uh, hum uh, moisture forming on the um, cement. So I'd, okay. I'd like to put a um, uh, one of those split air or mini split air air conditioners yeah. out there, but do they actually um, draw out humidity out of the air? Oh, absolutely. 
Yes, it's okay. uh, just like a regular air conditioning system. Uh, uh, it's dehumidifying the air as it works. I mean, you could put just a dehumidifier if you wanted, and that would take care of it as well. But the advantage you'd have with that mini split system is now you're able to cool and heat the area as well if you want to. Right. Well, how does it work? How does it dehumidify the air? It doesn't have a return, does it? No, okay. but it, it goes through the head unit there, and the humidity yep. is taken out, and then there's a drain for it to come out. Uh, a lot okay. of people don't realize, but yeah, all those head units have to have drains on them in order to work properly. I'm going to put you on hold for just a second. When we left, we were talking with Brian about a ductless air conditioning system uh, for his garage area where he's having a moisture issue. And You know, one of the nice things on those ductless systems, yes, they do have a drain line because they do take the humidity out, but unlike most ducted type systems there's a setting on many of the ductless systems for just dehumidification and so you don't necessarily have to be running it uh, on air on cooling mode or heating mode all the time in order to be taking the humidity out and I mentioned that yeah that it, it does take the moisture out you do have a drain line that has to run somewhere now typically you, you're going to run that into just like you would a uh, a uh, ducted type system under the sink or outside or something like that but every one of those head units that you put throughout the house would have to have a drain going out with it okay uh, and, and energy usage is is virtually nil on these things that's great the the garage is connected to the house but all the walls are outside walls right. except for one interior so there's no I don't know where I'd put the head to drain into a a, a plumbing system. I'd, is it okay to drain it outside? Yes. In okay. fact, some cities have gone back to they don't want it being drained into the system. They want them going outside. So, yes, that, that is acceptable. Okay, then last question. At 900-ish square feet and the three three of the doors facing west, what size would you recommend and then how many heads and brands, too? How many heads in what? A brand. Oh, okay. Brand or model? Uh, yeah. Well, they're good. they would have to do a load calculation as far as the size size units that you would need, and you know the big variable is going to be those overhead doors. Uh, if they are just like a metal door with nothing on them yet, versus a metal door that's got insulation on them or radiant barriers on them and stuff, that's going to drastically change what size units you need uh, for 900 square feet you just need one typically one unit or one head one head which then... would have one unit outside as well and one unit outside uh, depending on the system you get can operate multiple heads you know four heads uh, or more in some cases so it can be used throughout a, a structure but for what you're describing, you need really just a, a simple type unit with just one head and one outside unit. Yeah, um, I don't plan on doing a lot of ACN or heating uh, yeah. here in Houston, but dehumidifying is definitely uh, yep. what I need. Yeah, well, you know, and, and truly, if, if you're not going to use the heating and cooling part, I really would recommend you just look at a dehumidifier. And, 
and here's why if if you go with a ductless system you're paying for air conditioning that does dehumidification when you go with just a dehumidifier you're talking about a unit that's only going to cost you a, a couple hundred bucks versus a unit that's going to be thousands of dollars okay all right do they size dehumidifiers the same way i mean is there a sizing algorithm for dehumidifiers there is but it's it's uh, strictly based on square footage and so okay. when you look at the different units it'll say this unit's good for up to you know x number of square feet okay and, uh, you know you mentioned five cars uh, you know i would think it at the most you would need two dehumidifiers in there versus uh one ductless system okay jim thank you very much you bet all right i have an interesting email question that uh came in and this is out of fort worth actually it comes from christopher my home is 10 years old and i notice some of my shingles are bulging and a couple of shingles are missing should i be concerned is it something I can repair on my own, or is it time for an inspection? I'm just worried of people taking advantage of my predicament. Your unbiased opinion will be greatly appreciated. Well, it is something you need to be concerned about. When there's shingles missing, that's a big problem. Because remember, a roof is not waterproof. It's designed to shed water off of it. When you start missing shingles... Now your shedding is not necessarily working properly. Water can start seeping in, and water is not your friend when it comes to the roof. As far as somebody you can trust, go to our website, THIPro.com. I got roofers in Dallas, and I got roofers in Houston who can truly help you out. And let me tell you, you can trust these guys. I've checked them out. And I had to go through a ton of roofers to find somebody I could trust in both markets to the point where one time one of the radio stations brought me one and I said, I won't, I can't talk for them. They got such a bad reputation. I ended up giving the guy his money back because the station said they couldn't do that. And I said, well, he ain't coming on my show. I will try and make this short. And it's two questions. I used some of my garage and made a laundry room. I insulated the walls so I could put a vent and tie into the vent seven feet away in the living room for heat and air. I also moved my dryer to a different wall, so I wanted to vent the dryer out to the ceiling. The man doing the work said just vent it up in the attic area. I wasn't completely comfortable with that, so I said I would deal with it at a later time. I was not happy with the other work he was doing and just wanted him to finish since then I realized the AC vent isn't putting hardly any air out. So my questions are, can I vent out the roof? And is there something I can do to make the heat and air reach this room? It's a two-ton air conditioning unit, and the square footage is only 1,400, not including the small laundry room I added on. Mm. And this comes from Destiny. Well, first of all, do not just vent the dryer up into the attic. It does need to go outside. Uh, typically, I tell people, take it up to the attic and then take it over to a soffit and let it vent out through the soffit. Uh, but definitely, you don't want to be dumping that humidity and lint and all that stuff up in the attic. That'll just cause you tons of problems. As far as the AC system, I'm betting 
First of all, he used the wrong size duck for what he was doing. Second of all, when he put that on there, he probably decreased the airflow to the other areas that that duck was running, the original duck. And so those rooms are going to be uncomfortable probably come summertime as well. And honestly, two tons, 1,400 square feet, unless this house is really insulated well, has tight windows, doors, all the, you know, the stuff to make it energy efficient. My guess is you're undersized with the AC unit for adding that room. You got to remember, when an AC system is installed, when it's done properly, they do a load calculation. And it's all based on square footage of house, which way it's facing, windows, doors, insulation. All that goes into the calculation. Then they size it. And when you've added a laundry room, it can't necessarily handle that extra load. So first thing I would do is get an AC guy out there, let him do a load calculation, see what it's going to take to fix the issue. Second thing I would do, get the dryer vent and get it away from the attic. Yes, you can go up in the attic and take it out, but let it dump in the attic. Uh, you, you had the question, can you go out through the roof? You can, but it's not recommended, and here's why. When it rains heavy and we get side winds, it can send some water down through that vent. Now the lint that does go through the pipe will start building up on the walls, which it does anyways, but this is just going to add to the problem. Um, if it was me, like I'd say, I always tell people, let's just take it out through the soffit where it's somewhat protected and you just don't have to worry about it that way. Charlotte, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Well, hi. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. I appreciate you calling. Well, listen, I have a couple of questions. I'm hoping that you could answer both of them. I've been wanting to call in for such a long time, and I finally remembered the number. Uh, um, and I have to. You do mean I didn't say it enough for you? No, no, you did, but I'm driving, <laughs> so I was like having to say the last four numbers over and over and over again until I could stop. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to talk to you before, because um, I don't want to do this in front of my husband, because I, I don't want to criticize, but I need some independent advice on something. We have a house that was built in 2001, and for probably the first 10 years, we had no problems with our faucets. And then all of a sudden, the faucets got harder and harder to turn. So then my husband replaced them, but then probably six months to eight months, it, they, it started again. So I didn't want to say that he wasn't doing it right, but I wasn't sure if it's a water issue. But now we're on our third set of faucets and I thought before he does yet another replacement if, there, if there's something we don't know it is not the way your husband's doing it okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it probably more than likely is a water issue uh, too much too hard water yep it, it's more than likely well and let me ask you this like on the shower head and stuff do you get the scale build up um, not that I'm aware of, but he's pretty good about keeping on top of all that. He'll clean the tiles, you know, and uh, we don't seem to having any other faucet issue other than the bathroom sink. That's what I've noticed. Just uh, up upstairs on the second floor, the bathroom sinks. He, he and I separate sinks. Okay. And so, these, so, go ahead. These are sinks that you use on a pretty daily basis. Then? Yes, we do. Uh huh. Uh, okay. 
Yeah, I seriously doubt. There really is nothing you can do in installing a faucet that's going to make it okay. do that. Okay. So it's it's got to be something with the water coming in or cheap faucets. Oh, okay. Well, that's huh. Uh, that's interesting. Never thought about that. Um, okay. Well, I'll talk to him about. Uh, I mean, it's cheap faucets. What twenty bucks or is it a hundred bucks? A uh, cheap faucet would be twenty bucks. To to get into a decent faucet, you're yeah. gonna be up in the between a hundred and two hundred dollars. Okay. And here's right. the difference that... between a cheap faucet and and the good ones. The cheap yeah, ones, okay. like you're gonna get at the box store, uh-huh. it's all it's all plastic inside, and so it doesn't take uh... anything for that faucet to start not working properly. Now that the makes a lot of sense. The better faucets are gonna be all brass inside. Okay. Okay. That is probably our... Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Linda, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. So I have a question that's so simple I should be embarrassed to call, but I'm going to ask anyway. So I have a marble sink in my bathroom. And it keeps clogging up. I can't figure out what's going on in the kitchen if it ever clogs up. You know, I just boil water, hot water, and pour it through, and it seems to be okay. But would I do that with a marble sink rather well, you than have putting to... Drano or something like that in it? Yeah, you have to be careful putting boiling water into one of the – because this is going to be a man-made marble. And if yes. you hit it and it's cold and you hit it with that boiling water, you can cause cracks in it. In fact, you will see yeah. those those uh, man-made marble sinks as they age. They start getting the crack rings around the, the drain line. It is from just okay. running hot water, regular hot water through it. What I typically do, because this is a common problem, it builds up this black sludge down through there. Uh your liquid drainos and, and all that stuff, it, it doesn't clear that out. Normally what I do is I take the plunger out, you know, the uh, yeah. the stopper rather, and yeah. I will spray scrubbing bubbles down in there and use a toothbrush reaching in there to, to clean it out. And what you're going to find is where the little lever is for the stopper, hair gets yeah. hung up on that, and then the sludge starts building up. By spraying the scrubbing bubbles in there, hitting it with a toothbrush, you clean it all out, run hot water down through there, and it'll it'll start flowing like it should again. All right. Thank you very much for your help. I listen to your show all the time, and I really do enjoy it. Oh, well, thank you, Linda. You have a great afternoon. Edward, welcome to KRLD. How can I help you? How you doing, Mr. Jim? I'm doing wonderful. Oh, uh, that's wonderful. I, I got a question. I got a, my house is long, uh, and it's taking a long time to get hot water to the back bathroom and shower, the, the half bath. Uh, and I was trying to see, is, it, is that because of my water heater uh, too small, or what could cause that? No, that's just because of the distance of the faucet from the water heater. Uh, because the the pipe that's sitting up there or under the foundation waiting it gets cold, 
And so the hot water starts at the water heater and it's got to flow all the way across that pipe, heating up the pipe and ground around it as it goes until it reaches the faucet. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because, like I said, it, 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 10 to 15 minutes, that's a lot of water. That's a lot of gallons of water to take it when, uh, when I come yep. in the shower. And uh, I was trying to yeah. see if I could do anything different to uh, make it Well, make you it can. You, you could put it, uh, you know, a... Uh, a small tank water heater near the shower, so when you turn it on, you get instant hot water, yet the the uh, water from the regular water heater, once it gets there, shuts that little tank off, or a small tankless right there. And again, it'll shut off once the hot water reaches it. So you got several options, or a recirculating system that can be on a switch or a timer to come on and off. Uh, so yeah, you don't have to waste all that water. You can make accommodations for it okay thank you sir i do appreciate it i listen to you, you every bet. weekend i'm a truck driver and i man i learned a lot of things about your show and i do appreciate you edward take care and you have a great afternoon all right i think this will be our last email question of the day is it a good idea and worth it to insulate outside walls in an existing home the house was built about 20 years ago and he's asking foam insulation into existing home. You know, if you got a house that was built in the 60s, even some in the 70s, but definitely 60s and earlier, yes, usually it is worth foam in the walls. A retro foam that is non-expansive, fills the cavity, insulates the home, seals it, all that stuff. If you got a 20-year-old home, it's pretty much insulated as good as it's going to get at this point unless you want to go to all foam but it's really i'm telling you not going to be worth the money you're not going to save enough on the energy bills to justify the cost now if you're trying to make the house a lot quieter the foam's going to definitely do that for you but as far as energy efficiency uh you know in the last 20 years the homes have become extremely energy efficient anyways and at this point in time I would tell you I would not stick my money into doing it that way. So just an FYI. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.